today we want to continue our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. You do have an insert in your bulletin if you'd like to make use of it as we study together. And for our youngest ones up through our college students, our topic today is school. There are some things about school that we like, other things about school that we're not so thrilled about. But in all of it, we're trying to learn things that will help us with the things that we need to do in life. I'll bet you Ewan and Karis are learning how to read. They're learning how to write. Very important fundamental things. Sadly, there's some people that never learn how to read. They never learn how to write. And very important for us for what we need to do as we live in this world. Well, today we're going to learn about God's school. And the fact is, every one of us are in God's school. And there are some very important lessons for us to learn in this school that God has for us. So let's listen carefully, and then when you go home, you can discuss with one another what God has for us to learn in his school. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and goodness to us. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And Father, how grateful we are. It is an unchangeable, firm foundation. It is truth. It changes not. How we thank you that your spirit is the one who not only prepares our hearts to receive it, but also to grant us understanding and transformation by it. I pray, Father, that as we open your word today, you would give me clarity of thought, that each one would be given an ability to hear and comprehend, and eternal good would be accomplished. All to the glory, the praise, and the honor of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Head Start programs. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. Sometimes individuals who get a head start are cheating when they do so. In fact, there's one university in uh, the United States that likes to laud the fact that they're cheaters. They're called the Sooners. They wanted to get the land before anybody else did. We know that in athletic competition... When we hear the individuals in a track meet, for example, on your mark, get set, go. And in that, individuals that jump the gun are individuals that are penalized for the fact that they got a head start. In other areas, we have programs to help individuals to get ready for maybe the next step in life. We have Head Start programs to help individuals to be ready to start to go to school. While we're in school, we have, in a sense, Head Start programs that young people can take in high school to maybe do their AP courses or some college courses to get them ready for what they'll be taking in college and in some cases not have to take those courses over again because they got a Head Start. 
God has in mind the importance of a head start when it comes to the school of life, and especially for the young people that are with us, but something that all of us can learn from. And I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes into chapter 11 about God's Head Start program. If you look in the book of Ecclesiastes, we know that Solomon is providing us with a skill to live life for our best good. It's called wisdom. And this book of wisdom deals with a fundamental question pertinent to every one of us. How is it I find meaning, satisfaction, fulfillment in life? And by now we recognize that Solomon makes it very clear that if I think I'm going to find it in the things of this world, in temporal things, I'm always going to be brought up short. I'll need something more. And he develops that theme in chapters 1 through 6. And then in verses, or chapters 7 through 12, the deductions that come from it. And what Solomon underscores for us in this book, that real meaning, real fulfillment, real quality of life, is found in a life that is built upon the foundation of God himself and that he is life's focus. As Solomon does so, he has pointed out that you and I need to recognize that life poses for us many perplexities, many difficulties. Maybe it's Pollyanna who lives in a world where they don't have any problems to deal with. But the reality is, even some of the youngest ones here have had to face problems, difficulties, things we don't understand as we go through life. And so as Solomon is bringing the book of Ecclesiastes to conclusion, he has been giving us pithy little, almost proverbial statements that we can have a better understanding of how to deal with these problems, disappointments, discouragements, and perplexities in life. And as we had seen in chapter 11, verse 7, he says, Light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. The point he is making is the fact that even though life has all of these problems, all of these fears, all of these discouragements and disillusionments that we face, life is worth living. It's good for the eyes to see the sun, that the light is pleasant. Your existence as a human being is the reality that God formed you and made you as he did. And having life and existence is really a blessing from him. The second thing he states in this is that we need to recognize verse 8. Indeed, if a man should live many years, so whether I'm five years old, whether I'm 30 years old, I'm 50 years old, I'm 100 years old, what should be my life perspective? He says, 
Let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness that there'll be many. In other words, things might be going well for you right now, but it doesn't guarantee that they're always going to be that way. Every human being is going to face difficulties, problems in life. And ultimately, it's brought to the emptiness or the vanity of the fact that you and I can take nothing from this world into the afterlife. No matter what we have been living for, giving ourselves to, we end up possessing nothing of what we have in this world. So what is he saying? He is saying that as you go through each day, don't be thinking back to what was yesterday, be it that you feel disappointment over something, or that you wish the days today were more like the good old days of yesteryear. He is saying, don't be anxiously worrying about what may happen tomorrow or what you have to deal with tomorrow. Today is God's gift. And as I recognize I have existence because of his good pleasure, he has designed this day for me and what I should do is rejoice in it. I should be an individual that has a grateful, thankful heart for what God has given to me. And then beginning in verse 9, where we want to focus our attention today, God's Head Start program. He says, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desire of your eyes, Yet know that God will bring you into judgment for all these things. So, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Now, God is focusing through Solomon on the youth, on young adults, on children. And what he is saying is, you need to get a head start on what's really essential and important in life. And what is really sad is some individuals never learn this life lesson. Some individuals, as they get older, have to be reminded that if you live many years, you should rejoice in every one of them. It's a life lesson that God has for us. Now, as I was looking at this, I thought, isn't it interesting that at the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon would address his attention to children, to young people, to young adults. Why is that so? And I think there are several reasons why that is so. The first is, that is typically a concern of Solomon's. 
One of the great books that we think of as designed for young people was written by Solomon under the direction of the Spirit of God. And who is it addressing? My son. It's called the book of Proverbs. And what Solomon is doing is providing them with a wealth of knowledge on how to handle the most essential and practical things of life. To know how to handle the way you talk, what you say, how to choose friends, how to occupy your time, important issues for every young person to grapple with. Solomon typically has a concern for the next generation. Now part of the design in him talking about his son or here addressing the youth is that even in his position as a teacher, as the preacher, as the philosopher, his students would be thought of as his children. And yet he is very specific here when he is addressing the young people. So it shouldn't surprise us that at this juncture Solomon is going to underscore, highlight, underline, italicize. Here's the people that really need to listen to what I'm having to say. And the reason they need to listen is that they might get a head start on life itself. The second thing that I think is pertinent to understand is that this is part of God's design. If I go to the instruction that the Lord gave to the nation of Israel, flowing out of the commandment that Jesus said is the greatest of all commandments, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And these words which I am commanding you shall be upon your heart and on your mind. And then the next statement. And you shall diligently Teach them to your children. If I go to Psalm 78, we find that the psalmist there is describing the fact that God gave us his law, he instructed us, he showed us the grandeur of his person, and for what purpose? That we should teach these things to our children, that they in turn might teach them to their children. In other words, our grandchildren. God's design is for the older generation to have a genuine concern for the upcoming generation. In some ways, it's a design so that we're saying, I don't want you to go through all of the mistakes that I made. I don't want you to have to experience some of the real difficulties I faced because of the stupidity of the decisions I made. It is part of God's design that the older generation is first setting the example and second giving the instruction to the next generation of what is really relevant and really important. Our children are good students of us, far too often better than we are of them. And they learn very quickly what is really relevant, what is really important to mom and dad. And God's design is such that what they ought to see emulated in us and communicated from us is that the most relevant of all things is the Lord and a relationship with him. 
The third reason why I think it's addressed specifically to youth as we're getting to the conclusion of this book of Ecclesiastes is because they're very vulnerable. They're easily enticed. Solomon took the opening parts of the book of Proverbs and actually in chapters 7 through 9 talked about how young individuals are easily led astray. Peer pressure, temptations that come. The sphere of reference is very narrow for the young person and can be brought into circumstances that are to their detriment without knowing it. Now, you and I know very clearly that if we even look at our own society, the two groups that are the most vulnerable to being uh, taken advantage of and fraudulent activities, etc., would be the elderly and the youth. And so Solomon is fully aware of the fact that they're vulnerable. They're easily enticed. They don't have the sphere of reference and experience that would enable them to make wise decisions. Now this fourth one that I came up with may be more pertinent to me, but I do think in some sense has to do with every young person, and that is we're hard to reach. What do I mean by that? We think we know it. We think we have the answers. And what we don't realize is that a little knowledge is destructive. And Solomon had to take nine chapters, almost a third of the book of Proverbs, to keep telling young people, seek the Lord. Wisdom is in him. Search for it like a hidden treasure. Give your attention and your devotion to it. And part of the reason is we think we got it all together. We think we understand. We think my way is the right way. Sometimes we even, and again, I'm making personal confession, get to the place where we think, well, mom and dad, they don't know what's really important. And then somehow later on in life, we tend to wise up and we begin to wonder, where did mom and dad get all the smarts? But young people have a tendency to think that because they know something, no one can tell them anything. And so Solomon is saying, you're in the school of life. And God is telling you three things that are really important for you to learn in this school. A fifth reason, I have eight of them, by the way, that I think Solomon is addressing the young people here is the fact that life is hard. It's filled with disappointments. There are so many things people face that seem to be unfair, that just don't make sense. I get taken advantage of. People get things when I think I'm the one that deserved it more. And because of the difficulties of life, Solomon is addressing young people because he knows that in their experience, they're going to be facing 
hard, difficult things. And he wants to provide them with a way that they can cope with it. Not any one of us here is exempt from the real difficult circumstances of life. And the reality is not any one of us know exactly what difficulty we're going to have to contend with. We get blindsided. Unexpectedly, things come. And Solomon, out of a loving concern for them, wants them to have the ability to cope with it. One of the things that was beneficial to me growing up is both growing up on a farm, um, you just, there's no place for a sissy. I mean, you just went to do your job, whether you felt like it or not, whether you felt good or you're sick. I mean, you basically had to be on your deathbed instead of going out and doing whatever you were required to do. But the second thing that helped me with that was playing sports. And learning that if you're involved in a sport activity, when you feel like you're about ready to just cave in, you got to push it a little bit harder. When you're in the fourth quarter and you have no energy left in yourself, you have an opponent that is still trying to overpower you in the competition. And life is like that. And if I don't have a sphere of reference that gives me the fortitude to really deal with the things in life that are hard, I can easily become discouraged and disillusioned. I look at young people who get on bandwagons for different things and then they get disappointed. They get let down. They think, I don't want to have any part of that anymore. How often I hear individuals say, well, one of the reasons I never wanted to be part of a church is because the people I met in the church were hypocrites. Well, I want to tell you something, then don't want to be any part of the world because this world is filled with hypocrites that are far worse than the ones that are in the church. The reality is the church is made up of sinners saved by grace. And all of us are growing into more genuineness and Christ-likeness every day. But young people have a tendency to lack the fortitude that prevents them from becoming easily discouraged or disillusioned. We know that life is going to be hard, that all of their idealism is going to be challenged. And so Solomon is addressing young people, children, Young adults, because he recognizes they're easily discouraged and disillusioned. A seventh reason why I think he is addressing this to young people is because as you're growing up, you're beginning to formulate your own life perspective and worldview. You're making decisions on what's really relevant and what's really important. And sometimes you are greatly influenced by things that appear to be the statements of wisdom or of scholarship or of learning and even more so peer pressure. And Solomon wants to be sure that children, young adults, and youth 
are developing a worldview that's consistent with reality and beneficial for their well-being. And so he is addressing these comments to young people. And the, third, uh, the final reason, the eighth reason why I think it's important, notice what he says at the end of verse 1 in chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, and what are you going to say? I have no delight in them. I want to emphasize this because sometimes people mistakenly, probably from adults, get the idea that if you're living for the Lord, if you are a Christian seeking to do what God asks you to do, your life is going to be miserable. And nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, your life will be miserable if you leave God out of it. And Solomon is writing this because he wants children. He wants young people. He wants young adults to understand a life focused on the Lord is the place of unspeakable joy that will undergird you, that will strengthen you, that will support you through all of the difficulties of life. And so if we look at this school of life that God takes us all through to give children, youth, young adults, a head start. He says there's three essential lessons you need to learn. Growing up, my grandparents and my father and mother every once talked about a song that was somewhat popular for school kids. And it went something to the effect, and I may not get it all correct, and I promise you I won't sing it. I'm going to just recite it. School days, school days. Good old golden rule days. Reading, writing, arithmetic. Taught by the tune of the hickory stick. The three R's of education. Now, I wonder how they spelled it. But they said the three R's of education for a child in school was reading, writing, arithmetic. So you left the W off, you left the A off of the other two. But Solomon, under the direction of the Spirit of God, is giving us the essential three R's that God has for young people that older Christian adults should model for them as the way to live life. And those three R's, they're imperatives, they're commandments, and those commandments are rejoice, remove, remember. 
Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, it's not quite so slick if you go back to the Hebrew. But the way my English translation is, it makes it very easy for me to remember the three R's of God's education. What is it I'm to do? Rejoice. Remove. Remember. And what is a great blessing for the youth, the young adults, is that they might get a head start on how to live their daily life in a way that's for their best good, that will keep them from being discouraged, overwhelmed, surrounded by fears and disappointments and have fulfillment and satisfaction in life. So what does he say? Rejoice, young man, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. What you find is that these imperatives in the last two verses of chapter 11 are in couplets. So rejoicing also goes along with let your heart be pleasant. And to help us that aren't used to maybe hearing God's imperatives that way, I'll say it like this. Thou shalt rejoice. Thou shalt let your heart be pleasant. In other words, young people are to cultivate a cheerful disposition in life. Because the reality is the attitudes that you develop as you grow up are going to remain with you as you get older and sometimes become even more pronounced in your existence when you get into old age. The second couplet is remove. This is a word which means to not let it be part of you. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain. Literally, the Hebrew word here is evil. Put away evil from your body. But I hope you can recall that earlier we looked at this Hebrew word, and it doesn't mean evil like you and I think of it. It means misfortune. It means discouragement. It means a mishap. I should avoid those things that Pull me down. I should separate myself from the things that destroy me. Now, what typically destroys us? Oh, we get bent out of shape when somebody does something to us or something happens to us that we don't think is fair. We get angry because things aren't going the way we think they should go. Remove it. Remove discontent, vexation. Put away distress, discomfort, affliction. And third, remember. Thou shalt remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
The idea of remembering doesn't mean, oh yeah, I know, there's a God. It means he should be the one that is paramount in your thinking. He should be the one that has the priority in your life. He should be the one you're depending upon and trusting. He should be the one that you're living for, seeking to serve and to do what pleases him. As I said earlier, sadly, many adults never learn the three R's of how to live one's daily life. And here's the opportunity for children, youth, young adults to get a head start in life. And there are three R's that God has for you to keep in your mind each day. Rejoice. It's a gift he's given you. Remove discontent. Don't get all upset by the things that happen. They're going to destroy you if you let it take charge. And third, remember your creator. Keep him as your primary focus. The Lord willing, when we're back in Ecclesiastes again, we'll really look at these three things. But what I want you to understand is this is how to live life successfully. This is how to really deal with the disappointments, the discouragements, the fears that come. And my prayer for the youngest who are here with us, to the college students, young adults, as well as the rest of us, that we would really learn the lesson God has for us in life. He is the one that has orchestrated what's going to take place today. And what you should do is rejoice in his goodness to you. You shouldn't let things upset you and blow you away. But you should keep God as the central focus of your life. That you might do what pleases him. Because then you'll find fulfillment then you'll find satisfaction and joy regardless of what the circumstances may be. Oh, may the young people with us get a head start in life itself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your truth. And I pray that as we've looked at this aspect of your word today, that your spirit would us. Especially burn it into each of our hearts and in particular to the young people that are with us that they might have a life growing each day of satisfaction and joy in the blessing that it is to walk with you. Through Christ Jesus the Lord we pray. Amen.